Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is April 22nd, 2018, and my guest on the show is Stanford Huang from airswap.io. Stanford leads general legal and community operations for Airswap. With a formal background in electrical engineering and law, Stanford brings exceptional experience in navigating and mitigating risk across local, federal, and international jurisdictions. Stanford holds degrees from the University of Illinois and the George Washington University Law School. When he's not acting as chief operating officer at Airswap, you will find him gaming or rock climbing. So Stanford, welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be on as well. So uh, please uh, tell me a little bit about Airswap and uh, what your guys' uh, project is all about. Yeah, sure. So Airswap itself is a decentralized global network that trades Ethereum ERC, currently ERC-20 tokens. Um, so we are a decentralized marketplace that will allow anybody to come onto our uh, platform and trade ERC-20 tokens right away. Um, and our platform is um, currently going and under uh, undergoing an, a rebrand right now. So if you go onto our website, airswap.io, uh, you'll see a blank page with um, some interesting uh, rebranding. I would encourage you that uh, go check it out. Um, but on April 25th, that's when we put out our website, our platform that will allow people to make trades of 25 different ERC-20 tokens. Nice. That's great. Uh, so AirSwap is uh, an exchange where people can trade uh, decentralized or ERC-20 tokens. Uh, have you decided on which tokens you're going to be trading when you launch in, in April for 25th? Yeah. So uh, for the 25, we've actually listed it in one of our blog posts. Um, that should provide more information. But on, on the top of my head, I can say that we will be trading tokens like Funfair, Zero X, uh, Kyber's tokens. Um, we've got BAT, we've got uh, ADT, and we have a lot more. So we have a total of 25 different tokens. Uh, it's a really cool evolution coming from what our previous phase uh, was which was called a token trader, which would allow anyone to go onto our platform to make trades between AST, which is our token, Airswap token, and Ethereum's token, uh, Ethereum Ether itself. And so, um, at that time in the token trader, we would allow for one-to-one pairing, um, or one pairing to be exact. Uh, but with this new um, launch, we will have 25 different tokens that uh, people will be able to make trades with. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot I want to ask you about. So first you (laughs) uh, mentioned uh, that you guys had previously a platform. So I want to ask you a Mm -hmm. little bit about the prior, the older platform and uh, why you guys decided to uh, rebrand it and change it and what's going to be Mm -hmm. changed. And you touched on that uh, a little bit, but before I ask you, uh, about that. So, uh, are you guys planning to add new tokens uh, going forward, or is it fixed at twenty-five? And what's your process for companies out there who may be listening to the podcast and 
who uh, either want to list their own tokens or are uh, would like you to list some tokens that they like. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're a little bit different from um, other exchanges currently in the market in that we don't actually list the tokens. We don't have an active process of listing tokens. Uh, it's because it's peer-to-peer. It's a marketplace that allows for peer-to-peer trading. And so anyone who has a token that wishes to trade on our platform may be able to make trades. Um, so it's a little bit different because I think crypto traders today are sort of born, quote unquote, born with order book design. And so uh, in order for an order book to have a new token, it has to go through some sort of listing process. And so most of the people right now um, in in the industry would think that there is a formal process into uh, listing a token. However, in our design, because we do peer-to-peer, there isn't really a formal listing of um, tokens. So anybody who has a token that wishes to trade can come onto our platform and trade immediately. Okay, that's really interesting because with a lot of exchanges, there's a long listing process that Mm -hmm. uh, tokens need to go through in order to list on the exchange. But then there are other types of exchanges, let's call it centralized and decentralized exchanges. And the decentralized Mm -hmm. exchanges, anyone can just place an order on the order book. And then, uh, but then like there are also some decentralized exchanges where in order to be listed, you mm-hmm. need to go through a listing process. So some, but not all That's right. centralized exchanges have like an actual uh, listing process you have to go through. But That's yours, right. yours is one of the decentralized exchanges where there is no listing process. Right. Um, and because, and that's mainly because of our technical approach to setting up this platform, which is peer to peer. Uh, one of the things, if you look at centralized exchanges or some of the decentralized exchanges, uh, a lot of them use what's called the order book. Um, an order book, we believe, is more of a centralized location. And so it's not as suitable to put onto a decentralized format. So um, for those of you that are listening, I guess centralized exchanges are kind of like Binance, uh, Huobi, uh, Coinbase. These are centralized exchanges uh, because they have a central place that um, allows for trading. And then we got the next wave of platform that do decentralized exchange. Uh, for instance, projects like Radar Relay, Paradex, IDEX, uh, these guys, they do centralized, uh, sorry, decentralized exchange. However, they still, one of the things that we are seeing today um, is that exchanges are holding different um, sort of roles that are typically regulated on Wall Street. So, for instance, on a centralized exchange, they hold your money. Uh, which essentially act as a bank. Uh, they also act as a broker where they take a percentage off of your transaction. And then lastly, they also take care of the execution and act as a clearinghouse, meaning they match your orders and they also uh, settle the, they make the settlements. Um, on a decentralized exchange, certain things can be automated. For instance, um, the part where we talked about the bank where people have to deposit money. Uh, that part is no longer needed. People can actually make wallet to wallet, uh, trades. And so the exchange itself doesn't need to hold, uh, the customer's funds. And then lastly, the, uh, settlement part can be done 
through smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. So the settlement and the deposit deposit of the uh, assets it's themselves are being handled um, through this sort of new approach. However, there are certain still certain things um, that are within this type of approach that aren't as suitable for decentralized uh, form of trading. For instance, the actual matching, uh, oh, sorry, the, the order book um, approach to allow for people to, to um, post their bids and ask and things like that. Um, we believe that way of trading or the Odebrook way of trading is more suitable um, from a centralized perspective as opposed to a decentralized perspective because it, it just allows for a lot of different, um, a lot, a lot of different attacks. Um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, problems that can arise from trading a, on an order book in a decentralized fashion. Yeah. So how can some of the difficulties involving the order book be solved, uh, mm -hmm. using your approach since, yeah. uh, you know, as you stated, you know, the order book is, uh, uh, it cannot be, uh, done on chain because of a number of reasons. So, you know, with order books, uh, there's a lot of orders being put in. And mm -hmm. then if you put them on the blockchain, uh, there's a time lag between when they're put in onto the blockchain and then uh, when they're matched with other orders. And then it's also right. expensive. Uh, and I'm sure there's also a lot of other reasons why, uh, you know, on chain order books isn't feasible from a technical perspective. Uh, right. So given that, uh, how do you guys approach uh, order books? Yeah, so um, order books, um, um, order books, like you said, are essentially a list of um, orders of uh, list of buys and sells. Um, order book itself, whether it's on chain or off chain, uh, presents certain issues. For instance, the biggest one uh, that you all probably have heard is called front running. Uh, front running is simply speaking front running is because all the transaction on an Ethereum blockchain or any blockchain, uh, requires miners to, um, to, to put the transaction onto the blockchain. And so miners have the discretion to order the transaction that will go onto a certain block. And so if you have an order book approach, that means that the miner can be watching the order book. And so the miner can see if there's a giant order coming in. Um, then the miner can take advantage by inserting a transaction prior to that big transaction, whereby he knows he would think the price would go up or down. So miner can certainly manipulate um, in this fashion. And there are other ways to, to manip manipulate uh, having an open order book. Um, so that so that people can what's called the uh, front run certain orders to gain an advantage on the market, and so front running is one uh, of many many problems. Um, like you said, the transaction speed is also another one. If you put the entire order book on chain, um, and so on. So yes, yeah, so what we so sorry to interrupt, but just to clarify, um, on chain order books are those. Mm -hmm. um, currently what many decentralized exchanges use for their orders or those not on-chain order books? So the first one that came out, um, probably Ether Delta, 
EtherDelta, I believe, put everything on chain. And so it was a little bit clunky. It was a little hard to use because, like you said, the transaction fee, uh, speed and all that. Uh, right now, there are uh, different approaches, um, but one big approach is to have the order book off chain. And so off chain, the exchange would handle all the settlement, uh, not settlements, the matching of the orders. Um, and then finally, when there's settlement, then it gets put on chain. So the actual, ha- the actual trading of the, um, the different assets on an order book that it happens off chain, but only when settlement is, um, only one settlement, then that goes onto the blockchain. Okay, yeah, sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to clarify whether, you know, many of the current decentralized exchanges that are out there, like, you know, as you said, mm-hmm. Ether Delta, and, you know, there's a quite a few others. Uh, mm-hmm. But the approach that AirSwap is taking is different in the sense that uh, the order book is not on-chain. And is it the same as many of the other decentralized exchanges who don't, have on-chain order books or is it a a, a different approach? Yeah. So I would say we do not have an order book. Um, We go peer to peer directly peer to peer. What that means is um, yeah. So for ours, what you do is essentially go onto our platform and it, it will work very similar to say a Google or an eBay where you can search for the pair uh, the trading pair that you desire. Uh, once you figure out what that trading pair is, uh, you enter into the search bar. Then the search bar. So, for instance, on Google, when you enter in um, the fact uh, you want to buy shoes, for for instance, and then a lot of different websites would come up. For instance, uh, Amazon, Finish Line, Locker, different websites would come on. Then you, as the consumer or the trader, would decide on which venue that you want to uh, or who you want to make this shoe trading for. And so on ours is very similar in that, in that sense where you go onto our platform, you search for a token pair that you wish to make trades with. And then it will come up. Um, the search result will present you with multiple different um, counterparties. And then you can go down the list of the counterparties and make trade, decide on who the counterparty is that you wish to make trade with. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you say counterparty, would that be another mm-hmm. end user who holds the token or would that, that be like another, um, like another exchange? It could be, it could be another exchange. It could be anybody. Um, it could be counterparties. It could be institutions. It could be, um, you know, sort of professional traders. It could be anybody as, as long as, um, that person, that entity is looking to, uh, market make or, um, uh, or, so to buy or sell a given asset, then you may be able to to find that person if you are looking to do the opposite of the same token pair. Yeah, so there could be a list of 50 or 100 or any number of people who own the token. Let's say you're a seller um, mm-hmm. and uh, or, or let's say you're a buyer. And so there could be a list of any number of people who own the token who are who are who have who want to offer to sell it. So, That's right. um, so that list displays all of the people and let's say some people have a thousand tokens they want to sell. Other people have a hundred tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, will it say like the quantity of tokens that they're offering? It would say, um, I believe at the current stage, it would say the, uh, the price. It won't say the quantity. Um, 
it's when you make the search, when you do the search of the specific token pair, you also input into the quantity um, of that pair. And so when you make, so for instance, if you are looking to buy um, 100 AST using your Ether, and then you would enter into a 100 in the quantity and then select um, AST as the token pair that you wish to trade um, or that you wish to, to purchase. And then when you hit search, then it will come up with uh, multiple different counterparties who are making the same um, token pair transaction. And then um, you would see each of the individual offering from the counterparty. And then you can select which one you like, uh, which person or entity that you're interested in making the trade with. Um, yeah. Would that list have a price for that they're offering it for? Yeah. Another interesting thing that I read about in your white paper is this Oracle uh, mm-hmm. protocol. So the Oracle protocol is a off-chain service that provides pricing information to makers Correct. and takers. And when pricing an order prior to delivering it, a taker or a maker may ask the Oracle for what it considers a fair price suggestion. So right. um, tell me about that. What is this uh, Oracle pro- protocol and how is it used to uh, to facilitate trades? Yeah, sure. So the Oracle is, like you said, a pricing suggestion. Uh, that can be pinged by either the mark, uh, the market maker or the taker. So anybody who is interested in making a trade, if he or she is not so well versed in the industry and may not know the price, uh, from a day to day or from an hour to hour perspective. And so that person can ping the Oracle, uh, to get a pricing suggestion, um, of, uh, of that token pair. And then use that pricing suggestion to make trade. Um, but again, because it's only a pricing suggestion, the actual um, uh, the actual price that you wish to trade with, you can still you can still adjust it. So you're not bound by whatever the oracle outputs. Um, it, you can still make trades based on your own um, decision. And so oracle is really just providing you with a pricing suggestion that you can or don't have to follow, uh, abide by. Yeah, so um, uh, that that's really interesting because uh, you know on let's say like Coin Market Cap has a list of like six different exchanges where a coin mm-hmm. is trading, and I think it averages uh, that mm-hmm. price, um, and then um, it shows like the different prices there. So would this yeah. be something like similar to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it will be something similar to that. Although, uh, the Oracle, the Oracle is still under development. Um, so a lot of different things could still go into it, but that's the idea. That's uh, the idea where you, for instance, if you go onto kayak, kayak and you're looking for a flight going from New York to San Francisco, then kayak will spit out, uh, multiple different pricing from different websites like Expedia, price, uh, price line. And, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like that in, in that sense where Kayak still allows you to go on to Expedia and Priceline to make the, the, to make the transaction, but you can also stay on Priceline, uh, sorry, on Kayak and, and um, make the transaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do you ensure that, um, let's say I, I want to buy a thousand tokens and I find a seller who wants to sell a thousand tokens. 
And mm-hmm. now we want to engage in, in an order and uh, confirm uh, the transaction. So mm-hmm. who goes first in that uh, uh, in that uh, token uh, yeah. uh, exchange? Yeah. So anybody who wants to market make, which means that this person could either buy or sell a specific token pair, that person will what we call the po- uh, post an intent to trade. Um, when the person posts that intent to trade, goes on to the indexer. Uh, indexer is where the searching happens, where the uh, where the discovery happens uh, for for the taker of that buy or sell order. Um, the taker can then search through the indexer for the desired token pair. So it goes from the market maker either buying or selling a given token. Um, and then that goes on to the indexer and then the taker are the parties that, um, look through the posted, um, intent to trades and then make the trades. Mm-hmm. So uh, does the posted intent to trade also contain the funds? And once someone matches it, then the trade is automatically completed or does the person offering need to confirm or approve it beforehand? Yeah, so the person uh, making the trade. Um, wait, sorry, what was the question? It got cut off a little bit. Um, the last part of the question was a little cut off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so my question was: so you, uh, you said that the party uh, places the order in the indexer and places do they place the tokens in the indexer, and once mm-hmm. they and once they do that, someone can then. Uh, match that and um, you know I guess deposit the uh, sufficient number oh. of tokens to confirm the order and then does that the prior party then um, have the ability to like approve or reject that prior to confirming mm-hmm. the, confirming the transaction or is it right, right. automatically completed? Right. So yeah. So anybody who's making a trade will be able to make trades directly in and out of. Uh, their wallets. And so we don't actually hold anybody's fund. Uh, when you make the posting of the intent to trade, um, our token mechanics, uh, goes into work. But, uh, aside from that, we don't actually ask you to deposit any, for instance, if you are looking to trade, uh, bad tokens, we don't actually ask you to, uh, deposit the bad tokens or the Ethereum or the Ether or the AST that you're looking to trade. Uh, the bad tokens with. So we don't actually hold any, any sort of fund. And then when you make the trade, um, you basically sort of negotiate with the counterparty. And, so, and also you search because you search for the counterparty, you, uh, you select the counterparty that you wish to trade with. Um, that part is done by the counterparty. So we don't actually facilitate any sort of matching. When an order comes in, um, it's up to the counterparties to decide what would um, he or she wishes to trade, and rather than us having sort of a matching engine to match the two intents to trade. Yeah, and that, then yeah, and then and then once the counterparties decide on a uh, fair pricing for that specific token pair, then they both sign a um, the transaction onto the onto the blockchain or sign the smart contract. Mm. Yeah, that seems like a very uh, useful tool because um, 
let's say someone wants, it's just like an off, uh, an off order book, uh, transaction. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, that's really useful for situations where you either have like a lot to sell and you just want to have like a, a direct, you know, like a peer to peer trade. That's right. Um, and let's, for a number of reasons, like you don't want the price to increase or you have a large quantity mm-hmm. you're seeking to sell. And the only way to do that without, uh, causing the price to increase That's right. would be engaging in a, a direct, uh, transaction. So there are a lot of like, you know, useful use cases, um, you know, where, you know, it doesn't really make sense to just use like the order book. Um, mm-hmm. and instead it's, uh, you, you, it might be preferable to just go directly to a, another counterparty, you know, in like a peer to peer, uh, trade. Are there any other like, um, like specific use cases where someone may would may, would prefer to do like a peer to peer transaction rather than, why not just go to an exchange? Um, uh, I, yeah. So I think one of the, it goes kind of back to the, uh, the issues that an order book exchange or order book approach, a decentralized exchange may have. And that, um, currently, the they there can be a lot of malicious acts that are been that can be done on the um, order book approach, namely the front running. That and that's definitely a big one. If you um if you ask anybody who trades on uh, some of the uh, exchanges that use the order book uh, approach, then they would tell you that um they'll see a lot of bots that are trying to get in front of your order or trying to insert certain uh, transactions in, in in front of yours. And so that when you are actually making the trade, you have to, because your speed, because they happen at such a high speed, um, then your order can be get, uh, can be bumped down um, on, on the um, transaction queue. And so, um, you may not be getting the the best price, right? Because when you do an order book uh, transaction, you're essentially putting in an order book, uh, a limit order, where um, they'll give you the best best price available. But sometimes the best price available isn't really the best price available uh, given the time of your transaction. And so there's a lot of market manipulation that can go on with an order book design Um, in our peer-to-peer approach because the negotiation part where you decide on the pricing um, that part is completely um, just between a completely private and between the counterparties and so no one from the outside can see um, what you decide to make the trade with and so um, it's less susceptible to uh, malicious attacks and it's anonymous so is there any user data that you collect on the uh users who are buying and selling no there uh, currently there's not nice so that's great that's a nice feature for people who want like anonymity they want to register they don't want to create an account they just want to uh that's trade. right that's uh, right that that's definitely one of the advantages that we have in that um, very different from the current approach um, because you can now trade directly from wallet to wallet. Mm-hmm. And so how, so when you say trade directly from wallet to wallet, and mm-hmm. so uh, take me through kind of like just from the user's perspective, do they go to your website and mm-hmm. they then, you know, enter in the data, they have to have MetaMask in their account. So they link their wallet through MetaMask. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cur- uh, in <clears throat> phase one, which is the token trader that I mentioned before, uh, we allow for trading using MetaMask and or Ledger. And so with a Ledger, you basically connect your Ledger to your computer or whatever you're trade- making trades with. Um, and then select there's a Ledger button uh, that you can click on and then it will ask, uh, ask um, you to sign uh, or to confirm on the ledger that's saying that you wa- you wish to make a transaction using your ledger, and then once that once you sign it, you go into a page where you can enter into you can enter the quantity that you wish to make the trade with, as well as the um, either you wish to buy AST or buy ether. Um, because again, at at Token Trader, uh, there was only one t- uh, trading pair, and so so it's very easy. You connect. Your ledger or MetaMask to your um, to the website, and then you can you select the uh, either AST or Ether, and then enter into the quantity, and then just say complete trade or sorry, um, I believe it was called search for quote or something like that, um, and then it will give you a pricing, and then if you are okay with that pricing, then you click on complete trade, and that's it. So it's really three steps: connect your wallet. And then uh, find the pricing, and then or discover the pricing, and then make complete the trade. Nice. And will there be a way for where you guys like support widgets? So let's say you're a company and you want to embed like this mm-hmm. interface directly on your website, so that you can sell your tokens directly on your website. Is that something on the roadmap? Uh, yeah. So I would say um, keep an eye out on uh, April 25. Is that something? Um, let's just say. Let's just say. Keep an eye out on, on uh, April twenty-five. Cool. Okay. We'll definitely check back airswap.io and look forward to seeing uh, news on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what else is on the roadmap uh, besides what we discussed uh, that you can talk about for yeah. uh, the the upcoming dates? Yeah. Sure. So, for any given exchange or what we call ourselves the marketplace. Um, Liquidity is one of the biggest issue, biggest challenge, not issue, biggest challenge. Um, no matter how good your UI is, if you don't have liquidity, I, I doubt that anyone would want to trade on your platform. So liquidity is something that we are working very hard on. Um, if you are a maker, um, are interested in, um, trading on our platform, you know, we'd love to speak to you about that. Um, and then on the other side, we are looking to make integrations with the various consumer facing products. So for instance, like wallet solutions, you know, possibly, uh, websites like CoinMarketCap, Etherscan and things like that. We love to, to work with people who are working in projects like these so that we can integrate and allow for trading, um, basically, um, everywhere. Right. We want to be everywhere. We want to be, um, we want to be the go to, uh, for any sort of crypto trading. And so we're looking to do that and we're working very hard. Uh, we have, um, a lot of, um, good opportunities that we were looking into. Um, but I would say that any, anybody who's working on projects that can integrate with us, um, specifically wallet solutions or the like, um, then please, Reach out to us. We would love to, to work with you. Great. Yeah. So, um, uh, so for upcoming dates, uh, you have the April mm-hmm. 25th launch of the website. And then that's right. Are there any other like, uh, 
road, uh, any other features on the roadmap that are going to be released or what are the upcoming uh, features? So you mentioned one with like integration with third party apps. So like my Ether mm-hmm. wallet. So when a user goes to my Ether wallet or coin market cap, they can, you know, choose the coin they like and then they mm-hmm. can just directly through that website uh, mm-hmm. trade and purchase or sell um, a token. And that would be uh, through an interface or a widget or like an embed, uh, which you would directly integrate. And mm-hmm. there are, are there some other websites or other uh, exchanges? Like the one that comes to mind is like Shapeshift. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not available for U.S. customers, but I think they have a different um, they have a different type of solution. So it's not exactly the same as yours. So with mm-hmm. the Shapeshift, they have like they're just connecting. Uh, buyers and sellers, but they go they they purchase it directly on an exchange. I think, and uh, that's right. In your in your um, uh, framework, um, people are uh, placing orders, um, but not like on an exchange. They're placing orders that are that are indexed. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't think I asked this. In, the index is held by you guys, or or who has this database and the index of the orders or the, the people that are making offering. Yeah, so currently the indexer, uh, the first iteration of the indexer, we hold them, uh, we hold it. And so, uh, any trade that will happen would be on an indexer that we will manage on the first iteration, but it's very likely that, uh, we will open it up so that anybody can host an index as well. Um, and then going back to the shapeshift example, I believe, um, we call, um, shapeshift like a centralized peer to peer system. Whereby that means when you are making a trade, uh, you are always making the counterparty is always shapeshift. Um, whereas in our implementation, the counterparty can be anybody in the world. So you could be making a trade here in New York with someone in China. Whereas if you're uh, making a trade on shapeshift, then you're making a trade directly against um, shapeshift. Okay, that makes sense. So uh, there is uh, AirSwap token. And mm-hmm. tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about the AirSwap token and what role that plays in the uh, AirSwap uh, uh, network and the protocol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the AirSwap token, which is called AST, or uh, yeah, the AST is where it uh, comes in when you, as a market maker, uh, would like to post an intent to trade onto the indexer. Uh, what's required is or in, uh, in the example that we have is 100 AST for seven days and for 10 trades. So um, to put a trade up, you would have to stake 100 tokens. Um, and then for that 100 tokens, you can make 10 trades. Once that 10 trades have concluded, then we return that 100 AST back to you. So it's a little bit different in that we don't take it as a transaction fee like some of the other uh, exchanges do. Uh, we use it as a staking mechanism. So it's almost like a membership, kind of like a licensing, licensing, um, licensing deal that you get from us, uh, whereby you license to use our platform to make trades. And then can, and the users can purchase this and the, what, cause what were the, what's the ticker for it? AST. So users can purchase the AST at, on AirSwap and then they, oh can, yeah. I, that's right. We um, forget to mention that if you are not market making, if you are just a taker, 
then you don't have to do any sort of staking. You can you can freely make trades. Um, so at, from a taker's perspective, uh, the trade is um, fee-less. So no fees to to make it to take down a trade or sorry to to be a taker on our platform. Whereas if you are a market maker that wishes to make a market, then you would have to uh, post a hundred AST. Mm. And so, and also just to clarify, when you're saying taker, that can be both a buyer mm. or a seller. So it's just Correct. someone who's taking liquidity, someone who's not adding liquidity. That's right. Okay. Uh, great. So, uh, so the hundred AST is only used for makers when they're adding liquidity. What, what was the reasoning behind that? So it seems like requiring that step makes it so that there's more that they need to do, um, mm-hmm. in order to, to make what reward do the makers get? They get to set their price, right? So prefer, presumably they could make a profit if they're selling it slightly above. They're offering or slightly uh, above what the market rate is because then they can just take um, those tokens and sell them um, uh, on some other exchange. Right. Um, so um, that would be right there. I'm guessing that would be their incentive to um, to just uh, arbitrage that difference from whatever they're mm-hmm. buying it for. So maybe they're selling in bulk, like a larger quantity of tokens. Um, mm-hmm. and or excuse me, they're buying a larger quantity of tokens and then they can then arbitrage that and sell it for a slight profit on, on an exchange. But the other party doesn't want to necessarily engage in that long process of, you know, going to an exchange and then selling a large quantity because doing so would probably affect the price. So mm-hmm. if the user wants to just, uh, you know, they have more time, they want to, you know, uh, sell it in smaller quantities that they're willing to, to pay that or, you know, pay that premium or basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so the reason why we have, we introduced the AST, um, I think mainly about two parts. Uh, the first one is that, um, AS, we have to introduce some sort of friction into the system. And we feel like this is the best way to introduce that friction to, uh, avoid any sort of spam onto the indexer. And, also keep in mind that when you stake the AST, you do get them back once you conclude the transaction. So they're not really a transaction fee, so to speak, because you're not giving it away. You eventually get them back. And so it, um, it, if you are making a lot of trades, then you don't have to think about there being a transaction fee, um, no matter how big or how small your trades are. Uh, so you do get them back and so you don't, um, you're not really losing them in a sense. You're just, uh, that's why we say it's kind of like a membership fee. Whenever you want to make a trade, uh, you stake that amount and then you're then allowed to make a certain amount of trades. And then after you're, com- after you completed the trades, then all of that AST would go back to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great concept and a great. You know, for a user, for end users, because, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere else, there are uh, trading fees except for, you know, right. decentralized exchanges. And so, you know, not, and so even if you have to buy it, then just to go into the trade, you still, uh, you know, hold on to it. So is there like a different quantity that you need to hold in order to make larger or smaller order uh, trades? So like if you need to make mm-hmm. a big trade, do you need to have more? So is it 
the amount of ASC you need, like proportional in any way to like the type amount of trade that you want to uh, have? Yeah, yeah, it would be uh, proportional, um, but we're starting with 100. So 100 AST would give you 10 trades and that would last you for seven days. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, great. So, um, we talked about ASC. Is there any other use case for ASC besides just, uh, you know, like the licensing fee where you, uh, you know, need it to? Trade? Yeah. Yeah. So we've also introduced a function for ASC and the, um, the holders of the AST would use it as a governance type, um, token, uh, where you can, as the token holder, you can decide on that amount or, that needs to be locked. So the 100 AST that we had talked about that will allow you for 10 trades for seven days, that amount can be adjusted by the token holders. Um, however, I do have to say this is um, a little bit down the road, um, but this is the concept. Great. Um, <clears throat> okay, so tell me uh, now, uh, I think the last thing we should cover really quickly mm-hmm. um, would be the, uh, the team and, uh, you know, how the progress sure. you guys are making and uh, are you guys uh, distributed or remote or yeah. uh, in one place and uh, how many people on your team and uh, what what's everyone's uh, background? And I'm sure that'll mm-hmm. all be available uh, when the website launches in a couple of days, but now that's right. Uh, it's currently um, not <laughs> up there. So that's right. Uh, so, the two people that started this project um, by the name of Michael Ovid and Dom Mazaitis. Michael Ovid used to be an algo trader, um, used to work, uh, trade at very high speed at about, I believe it was 40 milliseconds. Um, so he was market make, uh, doing, he was working at Virtu, a big financial firm. Um, then he, as part of the team, he took the, um, the firm IPO or, he, they went public um, for about $2.5 billion. So Michael Ovid has had very extensive experience in, in trading, and he knows the, the different markets uh, very well um, in that he was actually at one point out in Singapore uh, working out the, uh, the Asia part of um, Virtu Financials. And so he understands What's, what goes on on the global market? He understands what the different liquidity types that, that are traded on the market. And so he can transfer that, um, experience as well as that knowledge over to crypto trading, uh, very easily. And then that is also to say that, um, he has a lot of network. He has a lot of, um, connectivity over to that part of the world. Um, and so for us, I believe, um, he, um, he has put a lot of that into, into the design. And so what you're seeing here with our peer to peer approach is something that he looked at. Uh, he looked at when he first came across the exchanges, when the exchanges are using order book approach, um, he saw that and he immediately noticed that it was not the right way for a decentralized, um, environment like the blockchain would allow for people to make trades with. And so that's when he, um, along with Domicidus, came up with the peer-to-peer design. Uh, Don himself is a very good, very, uh, very good um, developer as well as designer. Um, he's taken 
uh, he's built many companies that eventually got sold to, to Google. Um, if you look at some of you have traded on our token trader, you'll see that our design is a little bit different from everybody else's design. Our UI, um, as well as UX, as I personally believe that it's a, a little bit better and that, you know, it's very direct, uh, direct. Um, it doesn't bombard you with a lot of different information. And so, um, his ability in designing the best, uh, UI, um, I think is out there and people definitely notice that. Um, after Michael Oved and Domazitis, we have a team currently at about, I want to say 23 to 25. Um, and we are constantly onboarding new people. Um, this space is growing super fast. Um, it's only been about six months since we, launched our token uh, back in October of 2017. And since then, we've been adding about three, four people on a monthly basis. And so um, if you are out there listening to this podcast and is interested in what we're doing, feel free to send in your resume. Um, uh, feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to to discuss with you. Great. Yeah, that sounds great. And did you guys have an ICO or was it uh, not a private sale. We did um, back in October 10 uh, of last year. We did our ICO. Uh, we sold for about, uh, we sold and we got about 120,000 Ether at that time or about that, uh, about that number at that time. Um, and so it was a very successful ICO. Uh, we also had about 135 countries that bought, that bought into um, our ICO. And, um, yeah, we had a total of close to 10,000 people, 10,000 unique users, uh, that bought into our ICO as well. So, um, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And so the AirSwap site is launching on Wednesday, April 25th. And once that launches, will that, uh, include like the, uh, the trading interface and people will be able to use it to have trades or will that not be ready yet? And that will be a future date. Yeah, it's, it will be ready yet. Uh, it will be ready. Um, it will be ready for people to make trades with. Um, it, I think personally, I'm very excited about what's to come. I think it's a, uh, it, we're essentially redefining how uh, we're making trades in the crypto space. Um, people, like I said, at the very beginning of this podcast, people are born with order books, with candlesticks and all that. Um, I think we are in a very good position to change how people think about how to trade with crypto. Great. That sounds amazing. So uh, my guest on the show today has been Stanford Wang. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, CMO of Airswap.io. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, the launch of your product and to follow uh, up with you soon uh, to check back in. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. 
Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.